Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and I'm here with Jane from Dear Author, and this is the inaugural podcast of Dear Bitches Smart Authors. Okay, so what should we start off talking about first? I mean, considering that we're romance bloggers, we should probably talk about the economy or shoes um, or Patrick Dempsey, right? Well, well, why don't we talk first about what we think the uh, economy is going to do to romance, the romance genre? Well, I'm of two minds about that, but I'm glad you asked because I was thinking about that while I was drinking heavily over lunch because of the economy. I'm actually of two minds because, one, I think that romance readers are going to even more crave a happy ending because nowhere else in the world is there a happy ending right now because there's layoffs and even the publishing world itself is having a pretty rough week. So if a happy ending is going to be in much greater demand. I also think that happiness will be a lot more heavily featured in movies and in television, but that generally doesn't affect me because I don't have time to watch TV. I'm blogging and reading romance novels. Well, I did read that Harlequin really came to prominence uh, post the Great Depression for exactly the reason that you stated and and that's because people were seeking comfort and uh, escape in their entertainment. So I do think that the mass market uh, divisions of publishers will remain strong, but I also believe, like you, that there will be some contracting in the types of books that they're buying, and I don't see much experimenting or pushing the envelope, which is really unfortunate for the genre as a whole. I think back to kind of the late 80s, early 90s, which was really a healthy and economic period, it also represented a lot of experimentation within the romance industry. You saw a lot of really big names get their starts during that time with some very interesting and non-out-of-the-ordinary um, uh, plot themes, tropes, and characters. So uh, I do think that the romance industry will continue to thrive, but it will be, um, I think we're going to suffer from some sameness. I don't think that I will be affected in the terms of what types of books I'm recommending, because truly I do try to recommend those books that I, I just enjoy, and if I don't enjoy them, I, I don't feel like uh, I should allow the economic pressures of the day to uh, affect the books that I recommend or don't recommend. I agree with you there. It's not so much the um, the pressures of the economy making me wonder whether I should recommend a book, but it, it, there is a limited amount of time I have to read, and making my selection of what to read becomes harder when I feel that pressure, if that makes any sense. But my question for sure. you is, what, what subgenres within romance do you think will remain strong and prominent through a bad economy? What are the subgenres that are going to potentially suffer from that overabundance of sameness? I'm, I'm guessing, if I had to predict your answers, because, you know, we have that sort of psychic connection, I would guess that you're going to say paranormals, romantic suspense, and male-male butt sex erotica. You, you think that those are going to suffer? No, I think those are going to be the ones we see nothing but, emphasis on but. <laughs> I, I think you're right, although I do think the historical will always kind of be a back of the uh, romance genre, I think that uh, the contemporary, which is already suffering, is only going to suffer worse, which is unfortunate because we need to bring back more good contemporaries, and maybe the onus will be on uh, bloggers like you and I to promote those contemporaries to, cr uh, to garner a greater audience and encourage publishers to keep looking for and buying 
and trying out new contemporary authors. And when I say contemporary, I'm talking straight contemporary, no romantic suspense, um, no, you know, uh, werewolf sheriff type of contemporaries. <laughs> oh, come on. There isn't really nearly enough very hairy sheriffs with really furry backs. <laughs> the very hairy sheriff. Can someone please write that? <laughs> I would put that you know, on the shelf next to the very virile Viking. I wonder if uh, the male-male uh, subgenre—I'm not even sure where you'd categorize that—but the male-male um, romance will start to creep into the contemporary and kind of replace or fill that need. Emphasis on Phil. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's really easy to make bad jokes when you're talking about male-male romance. Um, now, here's another question for you. What books have you read recently that you really, really liked and are going to like looking forward to reviewing on your site? Well, I think uh, Talk Me Down by Victoria Dahl, and we have that big promotional uh, package that we're putting together for her starting December 15th. What about yes, because the book rocked. Um, I really enjoy Claudia Dane, and I've recommended her to you. And I think her book comes out in February. And I got to read Cressley Cole's Kiss of the Demon King, which is a late January release, and I really enjoyed that. So what about you? I'm with you on Claudia Dane. I'm actually reading it right now. And when you read on the Kindle, there's a little dot at the bottom that progresses and grows steadily darker as you, like, make your way through the book so you know about how much time you have left. I'm probably about five or six of the way done. You can tell I'm not good at math, judging by how much progress I have. And I am just so enjoying this book because she does so many subversive and interesting things with the role of the heroine and the idea of, a, of an aggressive heroine as well. It's fascinating. But what I really enjoyed recently, and I'm still pondering how to review it, is Carol and Jewel's Scandal, which was just an outstanding, somewhat angsty historical romance because it really examines how much power and how much little how little power heroines had in in the in the regency and in that period of time where you have an enormous amount of power if you're married and you have great social freedom if you're a widow but in both of those scenarios you're entirely dependent on the man and the role of the male as a hero in these women's lives is really examined in this book i i thought it was fascinating and extremely hot which is also good and talk me down by victoria dahl I'm not actually wearing socks, but they, if I was wearing socks, they would no longer be on my feet because it just rocked them right off. It was fantastic. Well, I, one of the things I like about Claudia Dane's series, that courtesan series, is exactly what you liked about Carol and Jewel. And it wrecked, Claudia Dane's characters and her books recognize the real powerlessness that women have in that Regency period. In the eyes of the law, they are really nothing on their own. And so it's interesting to see these authors... Uh, create weak female characters who gather their own power through uh, whether it's um, exchanging their body for money or favors uh, or whether it's through the understanding of uh, the societal uh, inner workings and, and manipulating society to create power and, uh, and, and um, exercise that power, and you see that with Sophia, Lady Sophia in the Claudia Dane series, as she teaches these women on how to play on the foibles of men in order to gain security, comfort, and love in their lives. 
and to be unabashed about it. That's what I had so much respect for, for Dane's story as I read it, is you know, she has absolutely no shame about creating women who recognize their limited power but have no compunction whatsoever about drawing on gossip, scandal, poor reputation, and you know, torn dresses in public places in order to secure some form of comfort and, and well, security. What's interesting is if you look at this theme of powerlessness in, in historical romances, as I just realized, you know, there are a lot of people right now who are feeling powerless. And if you look at the, your nearest Costco books on sale table, they're full of books that have been rushed to press about how to save money, how to, how to downsize, how to scrimp every penny, how to save money on your food budget, how to economize your home, how to, how to seize control of your finances when it seems like the financial world is out of control all around you. And this historical reflection of social powerlessness for women is interesting when you look at it juxtaposed against the economic insecurities and securities that women enjoy right now. It's, it makes you think a lot about the, prog- the progress of women over, what, 200 and some years, again, bad at math, but also how, how similar heroines and heroes are to current people as they navigate basic everyday life. I think the true power of really good romances explores that power imbalance. And it's either the power imbalance between the hero and heroine, which is the internal uh, conflict, or it's the power imbalance between the hero and heroine against some other force, whether it's society or family or class and so forth. And, and when there's the power imbalance and then the narrative is built around dev- resolving that power imbalance, I think that's really where you get uh, uh, compelling stories. And there's that, um, like you said, even in, in a modern or contemporary book, you have a lot of uh, issues which I think go unexploited or unexamined by uh, authors, or um, they see them superficially and don't really delve into how that really motivates people and can create um, very emotionally gripping stories. I agree with you there. It's also one of the things that I, I wish that was stronger about the contemporary unadorned with paranormal market, that basic imbalance and rebalance of power creates an enormous amount of conflict that is capable of sustaining a story. No one has to wolf out or have teeth or lose blood or get hurt or be chased by a manic serial killer. Are there really that many serial killers? I mean, honestly. Well, no, but I think the number of serial killers in romantic suspense is about equal to the number of actual dukes in uh, historical. <laughs> it's so true. Ooh, absolutely the mathematical wonderment of romance world. We are probably almost out of time, but what are we going to talk about in future podcasts? We're definitely going to start talking to authors as soon as they'll agree to speak on the phone with us. And we're going to start talking about books that we've enjoyed and trends that we wish would would die a a sudden and somewhat quiet death. What what else are we going to talk about? Well, I think we're going to talk about technology issues, and I think that that can kind of uh, fold into issues regarding book business and where we see the future of publishing, um, how much technology can, will change uh, publishing business. And then obviously we thought we'd talk about, like, uh, non-book entertainment ideas. Absolutely. And also our own experiences with the devices that people are using to read 
And we also will probably talk to some readers about what they're enjoying because, well, nobody wants to just listen to us. We, we will, you know, not be that interesting for sustained amounts of time. At least I don't think I will be. I agree. And the more guests that we can get in, the better for everyone. Yes, we agree. It's all a party. It's not really all about us. You just might think it is. Thanks for uh, inviting me to participate, and thank you to Morgan at Miss Media Productions for hosting us. Yes, and thank you to Jane from Dear Author for being equally awesome and lighting a fire under my ass every single day. 